With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor and chief critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson. Back after a short break, our editor at large. And I'm still here in Queens at the temporary IndieWire New York quarters in Long Island City. Uh, how's things in L.A.? Oh, you know, I'm just, li- I have my little limited world, you know. I'm very sequestered in my house. I, I cook a lot more than I used to. I've become aware of my um, yen for things like mayonnaise and <laughs> bread uh, things that I'm, I usually don't let myself eat have become terribly important to me. Um, hey, I know you make a mean set of eggs. You, you used to make me eggs when I stayed with you back in the day. So there must be a little bit of, of uh, sort no, of a I'm baseline a for cook. you. <laughs> I'm a better cook than anybody uh, would have given me credit for. But um, it, and it's you know it's fun. It's it, that part. That's like the high point of my day, cooking. Um, but uh, <laughs> but but uh, going around for a walk in my neighborhood uh, with you know using yeah. a selection of masks that I now have. Yeah, I need to I need to up my my cloth mask selection. I'm I'm hoping to see more like film and TV branded options out there, so I really can feel stylish when I go for my daily jog. But uh, you know, it's baby steps at this point, as we all. But is jogging really easy to do with a mask on? You know, the the weird thing about wearing a mask when you jog is more the glasses part of the equation, as as I think a lot of glasses wearers will 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 agree because of the fogging factor. So you know, it's it's an adjustment. But uh, I mean, if that that should be my biggest challenge right now. So just don't fall down, Eric. (laughs) I know, I know. I mean, I, I I have to constantly be readjusting and so forth. So it's. It, you know, it's a process. We're all, we're all kind of getting used to this new world. And I think it's what's fascinating about it is that at, at this stage, it's like we talk constantly about the big picture, but it's like every aspect of our behavior has to undergo some kind of change. How we start the day, how we present ourselves to people, how we communicate and exercise and yada, yada, yada. But there's also the big picture. And it's kind of fascinating to be talking about both at the same time because it's like affecting everyone. And so I find that really interesting. It's like, we're, we're still people who, who, you know, we talk about the movie business and, and we watch films and, and so forth, but we're also the same kind of human beings as everyone else in a way we never really have been before. And, and I've, I just, I can't totally reconcile those two things sometimes. It's like I'm living in two different worlds. What I noticed you know? is that I'm paying a lot more attention to what I really like and what I really want to do. And how I really feel, as opposed to the rituals of habitual behavior that that we've all been part of. It's a version of what you just said, but but that's that's why um, I think it could have long term implications. Um, but on the more uh, you know, on the and really, we're all aware that not too far away from us, there's a hospital and there's really right. tough things going on, and and we're all dealing with that stress that that's around us along with, you know, (laughs) just keeping your, your hands clean and everything else. But here's the, 
Here's the thing. In terms of our industry, though, there have been uh, more and more and more urgent questions, including people like Todd McCarthy, you know, getting laid off from The Hollywood Reporter. I mean, this just hits you where you live. You know, this is one of the great film critics of our generation. And it's very my generation, perhaps. Um, he's even older than I am. But um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a scary thing when your colleagues in the media are, are losing their jobs, too. Yeah, there, and there are so many different ways in which this has impacted the industry. And I think it would be worth talking through some of those because every week we have another kind of entry point. It's not like this is a static thing because it's so unprecedented that it's every, moving. every, right. it's moving and the, and people are thinking things and there through. There are a lot of public. uncertainties. Yeah. So, so let's talk about a one, one uncertainty that we, we've touched on in the past, but it continues to develop. So we're a little, a few weeks out now from, the Academy's meeting, and uh, Michael Schamberg wrote this editorial and deadline proposing some suggestions. I guess the real open question that I would have now is just how likely is it that the Academy will make some radical rule changes this year that will affect how Oscar season happens, assuming that it does happen? Okay, so so what's interesting about, there's so many different, ra- one of the things you realize when you think about the Oscars is, how uh, uh, important and pivotal it is for so many different parts of our industry in terms of their planning. So right now you have distributors trying to figure out where they're going to place their movies, assuming theaters are open, assuming that there are already theaters that are still left and viable and functioning, which there will be. There may be fewer of them, but they will exist. And so, um, you know, there's so many uncertainties. and, And so the Oscars... Uh, my guess is that a lot of people are going to make their plans based on what they think they can be sure of, you know, most certain of in terms of getting returns. Right now, getting money in is the most important thing to everybody, give, given all this period of time where they haven't been able to to earn revenue the way they 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 thought they would. So, Oscars become secondary in a way to that question. And then you wonder how many movies will there be? How many films are actually going to be uh, qualifying and eligible? And are there enough and, and, and to, to sustain a, an Oscar show? And then you have to rethink, and I think this is what the Academy is going to have to do when they do convene uh, the, gov- the governors. There's like 53 people, 17 branches, three for each branch. They're all going to get together and they're going to try to figure out what are the Oscars? What is our role here? Who are we? Old definition, Oscars market, movies. Okay. This gives them an opportunity to think about how they could use the Oscar cast to actually support the entire industry and promote it and bring it back to life. I mean, I think that's what's going on in France. I think that's what's going on with Cannes. How do you use this festival and 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 put Europe back on the map and put the theaters back on the map and bring cinema back to theaters. That becomes the first goal, not the f- ratings on ABC. What are, I mean, that's the one well, but, issue I, mean, to I be have fair, with Chamberg. That's really not the point is whether but, they get but good it, ratings but is, or not. But it is a worthy point in the sense that they make a lot of money on that contract with ABC and without satisfying that end of the equation it I think becomes everybody harder has for... to, to think about what is the greater good and i think of that course. what the oscars could be in a very vital way 
is an enormous benefit show, literally a benefit to raise money, to raise awareness, to save theaters, to save movies. This is a, these are marketing uh, things. What's, what's the word? This is an imperative that I hope everyone in the industry recognizes is, is the way to go. Yeah. And, and I think on the independent side and on the art house side, you're seeing, of course, because there's more room for experimentation, uh, real progress in terms of, you know, how to be both charitable and uh, explore ways to get films out there. And given the constraints that we have, you know, these kind of online theatrical opportunities where you can watch something on VOD and it's basically the cost of a movie ticket and it's split 50-50 with the, the distributor and the theater and all that kind of stuff. But on the on the scale of the Oscars, I mean, what does that even look like? What does... What, what, what does you know, Oscar season look like if it's being directed towards a way to support this industry. I mean, it, I, ju- I just can't even wrap my head around. I mean, okay. yes, you could. Yeah. I don't know. So, so imagine, <laughs> imagine, no, you did your, uh, you and I were just slacking about this earlier. I mean, you did, you did your, um, uh, what are the movies we expect to see at Cannes, and and, right. you know, and, and then uh, other people have been doing the same thing. What is the list of movies? And then there, there's still a good list of movies coming out between now and the end of the year, assuming theaters come back around, you know, really people say July, but it's not, you know, we got a Pixar movie. We got Wes Anderson. We we got got Tenet and everything, but yeah, but yeah. So, so we have, we have the, the, the list of movies and, and Dune, you know, assuming that gets finished or something. So, so we get a last duel, you know, we, we get to the end of, of, of the year, maybe the Oscars move it back a, a month. Uh, maybe they maybe they give us a little more time, you know, for the because it's going to be a big jam. And then, you know, assuming that some of these fall festivals get together, maybe Venice can pull their resources and make it a European thing. I just can't imagine Americans flying to Europe. I, I can see them going to Telluride or, or Toronto or New York, but I can't see them flying to Europe. So I think they're going to realize that. I think it's going to be about pulling together to bring the movies back to Europe. And, and however they do that in a collective way, once for once in their lives, they'll they'll do that. And I think we'll see a lot of the same films playing those festivals and Telluride in Toronto. I just think the in old New York, you know and, yeah. world premiere fight that these people get into. That's that's forget that. That that's not what this is about. It's it's the I, same I, thing I, across the world. I will be curious to see what happens on the festival side of things and and the role that they can play in bringing people out of the woodwork because if we are looking at a situation where the fall is the first time that we can gather in some capacity, then those fall festivals for the industry are going to be the first opportunity for everyone to kind of come forward. But it also feels like even if you push the Oscars by a month, you'd have something similar to last year and that you'd have a, you'd still have kind of a truncated season because we'd have to be like stuffing all this stuff into this corridor. And I I wonder what that would look like. Don't you think that one of the reasons why Telluride is reportedly pushing for one more day over the Labor Day weekend might be because they see that they could have more movies than they know what to do with, as well as trying to create distancing in, in certain situations? Well, that would be an, it would be nice if that was the situation. I know that a lot of I've been hearing a lot of people, a lot of distributors are reaching out to the fall festivals and, and, and trying to get their films in there. I do wonder, though, if 
having too much of a good thing is not necessarily a good thing. I love, first of all, for, with respect to the oh, possibility think of an about extra it. day. All the films that were supposed no, but to be wait. in Cannes are going to be in Venice and Cannes. But, but with, with, with Telluride, I think adding extra day, awesome. They did that for the 40th anniversary and yeah. it was so much better. So like, yeah. yes, please do that anyway. But I also think that some of these films are going to have to be pushed into next year. It's not going to, certain films will not benefit from being part of a, a much more crowded fall well, season. Well, it's the that small indie films that are going to get hurt. And that's one of the reasons why someone like Sony Pictures Classics, Tom Bernard, it, it, you know, self-servingly, admittedly, is hoping that there will be more playtime uh, into January um, and that there will be a later a fest, uh, Oscars in, at the end of March. And I can see why that would be. But maybe what Chamberg is saying, too, is what, what if ABC isn't the answer? What if ABC is part of the problem? You know, what if what if what if social media and and online and I mean, what if Netflix is 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 in the direction that they ought to be going as opposed to the direction they should be running away from? Well, I think there there's definitely a happy medium. We get into these whole conversations of you know theatrical window, traditional or not, and all that kind of stuff. But there must be some kind of a. I mean, we've talked about this on a different level with the the foreign language shortlist approach or whatever. To me, it seems like what's missing in this conversation is the ability to curate the films that you're looking at. Instead of just exclusively saying, we have to follow these rules like a science. Throw the rules out. Throw the rules out and then look at the films that you actually have at your, like, okay, never rarely, sometimes always didn't get a full one week run. And Kelly Reichert's film, film got interrupted. Like those films, should still qualify for your Oscars because the Academy well, wants to support Well, that's not going to be an issue. Film. That's the but, least but, of the know, issues. Those rule changes is- are going to happen. Don't even worry about that. I think the bigger question is more existential. The bigger question is, does the Oscars exist? And if it does, what's it for? Well, and but that's what what I'm saying is it's like they can sort of decide without without worrying about satisfying qualifying runs or, or whatever that that needs to be. You should be able to determine the films that you want to celebrate on the basis of the films that are out there in one capacity or so another. So you're and saying that, that what's what what you're really saying is that what if if they if there's a short a shorter list. Um, there might be room for for more smaller films to be on that list. Yeah, that and great. think of it as like like think of awesome. it as like make the academy operate like a almost like a film festival and program the movies that you want to consider because that's essentially what they try to do every year with shortlists and it seems like it often gets to be a, a kind of chaotic process that a lot of voters don't understand anyway. So this is a, a silver lining could be what how can we set this on the right path. So I couldn't right agree more, but, the, no. but but it's so obvious to me that they've been twisting themselves into pretzels to satisfy ABC and making all sorts of decisions that were not the right ones for the benefit of, of the right people and for the right reasons. I, I, I would, I actually think Schamberg's quite right. They should get away from ABC. But if you get away from ABC and you have this ginormous, costly museum that's supposed to open before the end that's of the year. That's another problem. How do you that's, pay for that? that's the well. Here's the deal. I mean, in a very simple way, and I don't mean to. I don't mean to be so uh, to be glib at all. But in in the overall scheme of things, if you are set up financially to be very secure, um, you're in better shape 
than if you're carrying an enormous debt load and and uh, the costs of a new museum. You know, William Morris Endeavor is in worse shape because they were so acquisitive and and carried so much debt, and they had to wish that everything would go well for them in order to sustain that. Something like AMC uh, on a buying binge, you know, huge biggest circuit in in the world. And they're going to go under likely because they have so much debt. So, so the academy's in a bad place in the sense of, um, and they did the right thing, even so, by giving six million, you know, to to help uh, cinema workers uh, at this time. But they're they're in tr- they're in trouble because of the museum. So they are. But see, this is a real open question. I mean, it's like money. okay, so let's be realist for a second. You take the ABC out of it. What is the answer financially? What could, I mean, is it like some giant kind of charitable foundation needs to be created to save the academy and get it away from the crisis no, 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 aspect. No, no. I don't think that's what it's about at all. I'm I'm saying take away the the um, uh, the question of ratings and the question of 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 you know finding. I think you could get every single self respecting movie star on the planet to show up at the Oscars this year if they were trying to save the art form of the movies. And I think you could get every star from all over the world to participate, you know, in a virtual way, if, if not. That's like the night of too many stars. Yeah, you could, you could you make have, it a you fundraiser. Could, you could just, th- yes, I want it to there be a go. fundraiser. That's what yes. I'm saying. Yeah. And, and, you know, turn it into something else so that it, so that it's not all about um, the things that make the show worse instead of better. Right. And then you it's also a two birds with one stone situation because you get all the stars around the world and some of those stars would probably help with the ratings, too. So it's kind of uh, it's an interesting theory. But then, of course, the execution would be this open question as well. It's like, well, when do you start planning this thing? And, you know, what what are you going what's it going to look like? And if if the ratings don't deliver, you know, does that further endanger this contract and yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what so worries a, me. It worries me because they're they they have they're a financial concern and and they and they're gonna go in there worried about the money and worried about the all the things they're usually worried about when they should be thinking about something else. I, I don't yeah. know. Yes, we, well, I think it's it's a question of how do you formulate the conversation to get everybody on the same page because that's right. That's the problem. It's like herding cats with this guy, with this group. It's 53 people with each three people representing a different branch. They're so diverse. Some of them are craftspeople. Some of them are filmmakers. Some of them are publicists. It's, I always worry though, because it's, 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 they, they talk themselves into the wrong things. (laughs) uh, Let me ask you this. Is Tom Hanks still the head of the actors branch? Yeah, he is. So that's, I think it'll be fascinating at that meeting is, You've got the most famous person in the world afflicted by coronavirus talking through this situation. I, I'll be curious to find out how, the, you know, who steps up to be the real leaders here to figure out the future of, of the industry. You know, how can the Oscars, can the Academy play a crucial role in saving an industry that's more imperiled than it's been in its 100 plus years of existence? That is such a fascinating question. If we'd asked it a year ago, it would have sounded like a joke. But now it's it has to be asked. And the other thing is, what are what are the companies going to be doing? They're coming out of the other side of this. We don't know, even if theaters do open, how successful anything's going to be. And yet Oscar season is a very costly endeavor for these people. They have to spend money on ads and campaigning and all that kind of stuff. That's so- why they're all going to count. I think one of the reasons why you're, you're, you're 
picking up on a, a lot of anxiety. Uh, <laughs> I mean, how much anxiety can any individual or family or institution or industry absorb? But in fact, you know, if, until they know whether there's an Oscars or not, until they know when it is, until they know what its purpose is going to be, uh, this is a huge moment for the uh governors to figure this out and and define it and and declare it and and make it clear to everyone and then everyone will know what to do. So you mentioned can earlier and I think we should touch on that as well the real open question there because it's kind of fascinating what's going on here. One of the things that I that I've been coming back to is that it makes you realize the nature of the festival circuit and how complementary everything is even if can you know has a giant ego it has a specific role that has for decades been tied to the time of year that it takes place if you have you know say can and venice join forces which is an interesting idea but then the mar- the market's going to actually happen this summer separately yeah uh, they've hooked so, it up to another entity so it's not going to be can in that traditional usually it's like you have one you have the, the splashiest festival of the year is also the biggest film market so now we're gonna have the market take place online and then some festival take place theoretically without that market component so the identity is going to be very different I think and that's the thing i can't quite that's different though i mean it organically you know what i mean it's not necessarily people are still going to want to see the films and see them play and so buyers would go if the, if Venice existed and there was a market component, um, I would I would imagine that people would 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 flock uh, to to ch- part of it. Part of what's so interesting about this is that when you see something taken away, you realize what how important it was. Yeah, and, and exactly. you suddenly realize that that all of these people being in one place, looking at you know you you've been doing some reporting on this, Eric. I mean the sales agents. They want to see how it plays in a theater. <laughs> it's this yeah. very basic uh, thing. Uh, and, well, it and- depends on the level of the film, too. I mean, one of the things that was really frustrating this week was even as Can was saying, we don't know what it's going to look like, Can 2020, we could brand it somehow like that. Can, uh, Directors Fortnite and, and, and Critics Week, which I had the pleasure of being on the jury out for a few years ago, were canceled because they're autonomous sidebars, but those are platforms for the smaller films, the edgier films a lot of times. And without those, you you end up having the, yes, there are films that can use the festival as a platform for how they play in a room, That but those films usually automatically have attention to them. They're like big competition films, auteur films, the smaller discovery films, there needs to be a different kind of solution for them right now. So it seems like a lot of buyers and, and sales agents they're trying to work outside of the festival ecosystem altogether right now. And I wonder what, what it's going to take for them to come back into that space. Cause ideally the festival should be a platform for discovery as well. We don't want to lose that side of it. So I'm concerned about that to some degree. I hope that we can, we can see some of that come back and whatever the festivals look like in the fall. I, I hope that there are also some discoveries there and not the big anticipated films, some of which might be amazing. I don't think you have to worry right. about that. I think well, be- we'll see. There'll be, but, but there's lots of festivals to go around. I mean, I, I'm, it, it, if Cannes and, and Venice manage to merge, that means that all the films that Terry Fremo has already watched and his team, his programming team, all these right. movies that they've been ingesting 
you know, that they'll just pass them on in a, in a, in a collaborative way. And, and the Venice team, you and have I have talked about this. I know um, it seemed impossible, but, but I, again, you know, you have to rise to the occasion and take the yeah. old rules and throw them away and reinvent and, and recognize what your purpose is. And you're right. What their purpose is, is vital. It is so important. We can't lose it. We can't lose it. I mean, it's, it's, people cannot just say we're in a new world now and, and, and these things won't have a place in it. We have to figure out a, a solution collectively because it's so essential that these, uh, these, these aspects of our ecosystem continue to be a platform for this art form. So before we wrap up, what are you, what have you been watching? I mean, everybody's got their streaming lists now. What's your, what's your wreck of the week? <laughs> oh, you're catching me by surprise. I have been obsessed with Showtime's um, Homeland. I think I said that before. Um, I've been obsessed with how the different television uh, hosts have been adapting to online. So, so the, the someone like Stephen Colbert has has really been sort of fumbling, uh, but getting better. He was good with Conan the other night um, and Kate Blanchett. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, the one who's rocketed is John Oliver. He's partly, amazing. I love it. I love his show. Partly because it was already set up to be better. For, yeah. for, he's just looking right at you anyway. Oh, and his, his and, delivery and is so good. And, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm I'm just um, you know sort of f- fascinated by by how I'm not doing the the whole watching all the classic films thing well, uh, partly because I'm keeping up. <laughs> no, I love watching them, of course, but um, I'm keeping uh, I'm still keeping up with with uh, TV series that I have to watch for any coverage. So that's my job. I am doing the classic film thing. I continue to follow a really cool online uh, syllabus that I, that I signed up for. Some stuff I'd obviously seen before, like this week I did watch To Be or Not To Be, which is one of my favorite movies, but I hadn't seen it in a long time. That's a good film. But, and, you know, Lubitsch, one of my favorite filmmakers, but wow, what an amazing piece of storytelling. It really, it just, it only seems to get better when you come back to it and realize specifically how well told it is. But last night I saw for the first time Cage, and and I hadn't seen Caged before, and I was really, really blown away by it. You know, it was like sort of orange is a new black, but without all the extra stuff. It's just Ooh. like a pure, stripped-down, intense women's prison psychodrama, so well acted, so, I mean, so I don't modern. know that I've ever seen that. My God, it's 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 just a, it's a 1950 film about a, about a 19 year old woman played by Eleanor Parker, and um, it's uh, it was written by a journalist whose screenplay was nominated for an Oscar, and she spent time in prisons doing the research. And uh, it's just this incredible story of a young woman who's fairly innocent being stuck in this woman's prison, and, and how it how it hardens her, and the and the kind of the, the nature of the justice system. And it's just it's about I guess seventy years old now, but it, it it's just it's a freaky, intense movie, and you can watch it on um, on iTunes, I, I think, but it should be more widely available because it's um, it's one of those films where. For whatever reason, film history doesn't seem to celebrate celebrating quite the same way. But when we talk about women prison movies, that is a subgenre, and this is the original one. So there's your viewing wreck on, on my end. 
but uh, but I'm watching TV too. I'm, I'm in the same boat as everybody else. I think it's interesting, you know, kind of flitting between the two forms while still sitting on your couch. So maybe maybe next week we can swap places. I'll tell you what shows I'm watching, and you can share a movie that you caught up on. But we've got time, and we're we're gonna be in this for a little while. So, Indeed. Uh, have a good weekend. Stay safe. Keep enjoying your walks, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway, and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.